Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like Welcome back once again. We are the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I feel like we just did this the other day. I think I was listening to some of your voices this morning as I was editing the Heath Cummings uh, podcast that we just released today. So I, I feel like I've been with you guys all day, except for the guests we have on. But um, yeah, the Red Shirts, we're back in action. We're here doing another episode for you guys. We are going to be talking about some bold predictions getting nice and crazy for you. But we do have facts or at least solid ideas to back up what we're talking about. So before I go any further into this episode, we have to introduce a very special guest. We have Mr. Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers joining us today. How are you doing, Jason? What? What? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm doing fantastic. And I, you know, I know we haven't been speaking, but you... You've been in my heart, Kent, and so we. I feel like we've been together this last week as well. And in fact, we even got together a little while ago in Min- in Minnesota. Yeah, it's true that like I, I actually mentioned it on the the last show because uh, we had Heath there, and Heath Heath was at the FST a conference as well, and so we all hung out and played a little bit of shuffleboard, and I, I got destroyed pretty handily. They're they're too good at these random little games. I they, there was a yeah. ping pong match that almost led to a fight. It got pretty nuts. So, yeah, um, we take our table games very serious. Can if I asked you this question, I want to I want to ask you this question and see if you believe it or not. Since arriving back in Arizona, do you believe that our studio now has a new shuffleboard table or does not based on that trip we took to Minnesota? I would bet very good money that you guys now have a shuffleboard in your office. We sure do. <laughs> we sure do. It's a lot of fun. We've been breaking it in, and I uh, just right before getting on crushed Andy in a little one-on-one. It's unbelievable. Very nice. Uh, is there some kind of like board game Olympics? Well, maybe not board games, but like uh, I don't even know table what to call games. it. Table games. There you go. Table game Olympics. You guys should – should go out for that, honestly. Look, we, we do two things. We do fantasy football full-time, and then we have another full-time job, which is table games. If you want to play ping pong or foosball or now shuffleboard, I mean, just name it. The fantasy footballers, we will destroy you. This is <laughs> We're too competitive to uh, just take, take such important games casually. Absolutely. Yeah, well, all right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, of course. Uh, like I mentioned, you're from the Fantasy Footballers Podcast, and you have your brand new show, the Spitballers Podcast, which is kind of a bit more of like a well, – how would you describe it? Give me give me like the lowdown. Uh, yeah, the Spitballers is the first time we're not talking fantasy football. We're, we're just three dads that are idiots and goofy and buffoons, and some people think we're funny. And so we make this podcast talking about – absolute nonsense and just having a good time every Monday so you can go to spitballerspod.com but this is a fantasy football show so the real you know the real kit and caboodle is the fantasy footballers podcast uh you know the the product we put out there with the ultimate draft kit which you can get at the ultimate draftkit.com and this is breaking news I am going to create a 10% off coupon red shirts so you guys have your own coupon for the uh, fantasy footballers ultimate draft. Whoa, Ooh. that is hot off the presses. I don't. Uh, wow, that's that's incredible. As 
As of this recording, it doesn't even exist yet. Yeah. But it, I hope it will when it goes <laughs> up. I just need to remember Pending. to make that exist. Otherwise, it, there will be rioting in the streets. So. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully Hit by the time, if, hopefully by the time yeah. that you actually are listening to this podcast, it is, a, it is a real existent thing. So thank you, Jason. That's awesome. And, and you know what? Speaking of fantasy football, I, recently it came out from Fantasy Pros that you were the number three most accurate ranker in the draft rankings. Is that correct? For last year, that is correct. That is very correct. Woo. I am. I'm very disappointed. Uh, two people have, ahead of me, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, I apologize to your listeners. But none oh. of the other ballers are ahead of you, which means you're the best no, one factually that's at this just, point. That's just. I look. You can't argue with facts. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, people have opinion. Oh, who's the best? But when it comes to facts, yeah, Mike and Andy, they're 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 trailing behind. The numbers me right do now. not lie. That's for sure. As we know, the Fantasy Footballers is uh, one of the best podcasts out there, and now there's undeniable proof of that. So really good to hear that. It's uh, pretty awesome that you guys were ranking pretty high in those uh, draft rankings. But uh, we're going to move on next to one of the part of the shows that we've been doing recently has been reading reviews. We want people to submit their reviews and let us know. We're going to have a listener league going on near the season. It's probably almost time to start planning that draft, honestly, but... I am going to swing it over Okada's way because this is now his job. I have declared it. He is the review reader. And Jason, I'm sorry. He's not as good as you. I, ha- I- <laughs> Yeah. Who will Burn. be, though? Who will be? That's all right. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, Okada. I'm- yeah, go for it. Do your best. Sure. Do your best. So this one comes in from Alex is Alex. Alex is Alex. Alex. <laughs> I actually read that correctly, which I thought I would not, but that's his username on iTunes. Well uh, done. Subject line is excellent panel of FF enthusiasts, five star rating, and it says, This podcast is a secret that helps so much. It's in my primary rotation and has become a staple side by side with the Footballers Podcast as my redraft go-to for analysis, theory, and everything I need for fantasy football. I need more stars to rate how valuable this podcast has become to me. So, I mean, he put us next to the fantasy footballers, so I think that's about as good as it gets. I bet he wishes he could turn the stars up to 11. All the way up to 11. (laughs) Well, thank you for that, Okada. Uh, That was pretty awesome. And without further ado, let's move into uh, one of our favorite drops. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right, so as far as news goes today, it's not really too uh, too heavy because we did just cover most of the, the big stuff on Tuesday. So let's go over a couple things that we did have come through the pipeline today. The Falcons apparently have told Julio Jones, who is holding out on his contract situation, that he will not get a new contract and they will work on it after the 2018 season you know we've we kind of talked about the Le'Veon Bell situation not too long ago seeing as how that might affect whether or not he plays I think it's a little bit different for Julio and a wide receiver but do you guys think this has any impact at all on the 2018 2018 season at all I I personally I'm not sure I don't think it does really no I think I think he's gonna he's gonna play in all of his games um Julio is a guy that that they need to be out there on the field in order for that offense to be what it is. Um, I mean, it runs through him. So I think that that he knows that, and he's a guy who you know they've had some success in the playoffs and they've been so close, but they lost to 
uh, one of the greatest uh. Uh, franchises, in my opinion, in, in the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, oh, and so, <laughs> and so I think that he can taste it, and he's not going to want to miss out on that for this year. So uh, it should be another full full sixteen for Julio, in my opinion. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, Julio's good people. Uh, there's no report of him sitting out. The only thing I would say that is, is if he does sit out, there is uh, you know some some data behind the fact that people who miss uh, those early, you know, miss training camp or miss preseason, that they have a slightly higher risk of injury, which has been the knock on Julio. So that would be worrisome, but I don't expect him to miss any time. Yeah, for sure. And we, we talked about that with Le'Veon Bell um, last episode a little bit. And then previously we discussed that, you know, that's definitely a risk because when these players come into training camp, um, you can spend all day in the gym, but you won't get into football shape, which is totally different. Um, so I agree. I mean, that those first few weeks – you know, Julio is, is definitely an increased risk if he does miss uh, most of training camp, which it sounds like he might. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. Oh, <laughs> I got you, Doctor Drop, going there for you. Awesome, when we, when I love we it, Kat. That, that that special medical insight. That's why we got Matthew Betts here on the show. He's a physical therapist. He knows what he's talking about. So don't don't even worry because I have one more that I if if it ever comes up for the rest of this show, I, I'm going to use it on you. So oh, I am going to use every opportunity to jump in for anything just so I can hear that drop. <laughs> <laughs> even if it's just by the way, yes, he's healthy. He's good to go. Just to point it out, he's already an ADP value in my opinion. So if this moves him even a hair, I am all over that. Julio Jones is dominant. He's had a weird touchdown rate uh, situation last year that is bound for some positive regression. So if you're anywhere near the second round uh, where he's going, yeah, grab I was him. just thinking the same thing. That if if anything, this news just helps owners that have the trust in him, and that the ones that are letting him fall, if anything, maybe this will make him drop a few more, and then we can snag him even at a better value. So that's what I was thinking too. And and I know this isn't redraft, but in, in the Scott Fishbowl, I got him at the 208 spot, and I was ecstatic. Oh, my God. Mm. I was so excited to get Julio there. So Tasty. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to this next little bit of news, which, you know, hint, hint, might tie into something I talk about later in the show. But Joe Mixon has slimmed down approximately 12 pounds to about 218 so he was, you know, he was he was a little bit on the heavier side for his height as far as a running back goes. Um, and as far as I'm aware, most times when these running backs are losing weight, it's better. You know, sometimes there's reports about how they put on weight, you know, and you think it's like they're more muscular and they'll perform better. But typically it's when they lose weight that it's actually more valuable for the running back. He's going to be able to move faster, uh, have that lateral movement. I think that this is great news and it goes hand in hand with uh, how I feel about him this year, which is, hint, very, very good. And it's, uh, I mean, it's tough to get too overly excited about this and have it really mean too much to rankings or drafts or anything like that. However, I will say, Mixon was one of the most dynamic-looking running backs in college uh, when he was coming out, and he did not look that dynamic last year. So, you know, if this makes that little bit of a difference and he starts looking like he did um, and he gets the workload he could get, I'm all aboard that train too. Yeah, the weight news itself is nothing very huge, but it's definitely something that's it's a good look as as far as I'm aware. So literally, uh, yeah, good, yeah. There you go. Actually, it was funny. I think it was one of the coaching staff described him as looking svelte, and I was mm. like, that, "Is that <laughs> is that fantasy news that the coach is calling his players svelte? It might be. I don't know, but that's amazing. Yeah. Um, 
let's go ahead and move on to our next segment since there really wasn't that much news. Now, what we did is just the other day, we reached out on Twitter, uh, talked to some of our you know listeners and fans out there, and wanted to hear some of their bold predictions, because we're going to give you guys what we think about some of these players a little later in the show, but we're going to start off with some of yours. So I'm going to kick it over to our honorary guest here, Mr. Jason Moore. Uh, go ahead and tell us you know, the Twitter handle that this came from, what they their pr- bold prediction was, and then go ahead and back them up. I want you to back up the Twitter fans. Sure. Uh, this one comes in from at Kriggs808 on Twitter, and he says, Kyle Rudolph finishes as the tight end number two. And I, you know, there was another hot take of ASJ, Austin Safarian Jenkins finishes as the tight end number one, and I might have taken that one if it was the two. But uh, look, Gronk's got the number one locked and loaded. Thankfully, at the tight end position for hot takes, the injury bug is super prevalent with all the top guys. So if you're going to say Kyle Rudolph finishes as the tight end too, you know, look, some people, dummies like Andy, they'll (laughs) think that that's a super hot take. It's not that hot. He, over the last two years, he averages the tight end four already. He's second in touchdowns, third in receptions, third in targets, and sixth in yards. Now he has a quarterback upgrade with a guy who obviously has loved to use his tight end. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like Kyle Rudolph uh, finishing as the tight end, too, for a hot take from Kriggs. Woo! Thank you, Kriggs. Uh, do, do you think there's any maybe like concern, I guess, that the Kirk-loving tight ends bit is a little bit more scheme-related as far as the quarterback himself liking it? I mean, what, is, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think it's I – don't, I don't think it's scheme-related, but I definitely think it's talent-related. Jordan Reed was the most talented pass catcher he had, and Kyle Rudolph is not the most talented pass catcher in uh, Minnesota right now. We saw two years ago when Kyle Rudolph had a much better year, the shift of targets that he lost last season, even though it was still okay, but it was basically osmosis going from Kyle Rudolph to Adam Thielen. And I, I don't expect that to revert back to two years ago. So that's why this is actually hot takey, because he's not going to get the target volume to be there. He'll need the touchdowns, but uh, Kirk spreads the ball around. That's another thing he's known for, which means that Thielen and Diggs, they're not just going to take up all the targets, and Kyle Rudolph will get his too. All right, solid. Next, we're going to swing over to Okada. Okada, please let us know what your Twitter bold take is. All right, so uh, we're going back-to-back tight ends here. At DFF underscore walk claims that Eric Ebron will be a top five tight end in PPR. So he headed over to the Colts this offseason, sitting there next to Jack Doyle, which is one of the main reasons he's basically going at the end of drafts or undrafted. But here's my case for DFF underscore walks. Bold prediction. First of all, he's been top 14 in yards each of the last three years at the position, including eighth in 2016. He's also been top 10 in receptions each of the last two years. The touchdowns have not really been there yet, but he's going to a team that doesn't have a dominant red zone threat. T.Y. Hilton is not that. They don't really have much else in the way of receivers, and Jack Doyle is a very solid uh, underneath PPR kind of tight end. Um, But Ebron figures to be at least physically, um, profile-wise, probably the best red zone target for Andrew Luck, who, as I've talked about before, I believe to be healthy. So I think he could finally see the touchdown breakout he hasn't seen yet. Also, we all know tight ends are slow to develop. 
Ebron has been getting a little bit more hate because he's entering his fifth year in the league, but he is also only entering his 25th year on this planet. So he's still very, very young. He has plenty of time to break out this season. If he does not break out this season, he will be a massive bust because he went as the 110 in the 2014 draft, which tells you something about his talent, by the way. Uh, And then as far as coming over to this new team, Ebron himself has been very vocal about loving uh, Frank Reich, loving Andrew Luck. He wants to be the Zach Ertz in Reich's offense coming over from the Eagles, which I think is some some cool words from Ebron. And then Reich himself has praised Ebron's explosiveness. He's praised his intelligence. He likes his leadership. And most importantly, he likes his versatility. Uh, Ebron's been seen lining up wide in uh, Colts OTAs. He could easily slide into actually more of a wide receiver two type of role or usage uh, next to or across from Hilton while Doyle plays that classical tight end role. Uh, so I think he gets his touchdown breakout, maybe eight plus, um, and returns massive value going undrafted or last couple rounds. Some uh, some insider information here, peeling back the curtains on the Red Shirts podcast, I hit uh, I hit Okada up before the show to try to steal that one from him as I was as I was changing, and he and he he said no way, he's my guy. So I uh, yeah I went with Kyle Rudolph. No, it's great. I love Eric Ebron this year. I think that he's massively underrated because I think mostly it's just Lions fans who are really bitter about him. Um, just kind of storming Twitter. No, it's, anybody, it's, it's fantasy anybody owners. Who's fantasy no, owners? it's fantasy yes. owners. Fantasy owners, too. In general. 100%. It's anybody who's drafted That's him. That's true. Um, but since year 2000, he's number 19 in receptions and number 20 in yards in the first four years. And that's a pretty good range to be in. So I, I think... Wait, you're saying 19 in reception and yards of all pass catchers or, or of, of tight, tight ends? ends? Of tight ends. Because that's not that's not that since year two thousand in his first four years. I mean, that's he's around Vernon Davis. Oh, I see Greg what you're Olsen. saying. You're saying I mean, he's in good company. Up gotcha. There. Yeah. Uh, maybe I didn't word it very well, so I apologize on and that. And he but is young. He came in young. He's still young. So that's what exactly. I like. And no, I love him a lot this year. I think he's got an opportunity. I I don't think that Jack Doyle's anything really special. I think he's kind of. He he got a role that existed from Colby Fleener leaving, and then Dwayne Allen kind of just being there and then leaving as well. So I don't I don't think his you know success has been really due to him being an outstanding tight end. I think that he's just kind of been there, and Ebron should be able to shine over him. In my and opinion, Doyle has tiny hands too. We all know that. <laughs> Baby, Baby hands. Baby hands, Doyle. All right, awesome. So let's kick it over to Bets on this one. Bets, let me hear your Twitter bold prediction. All right, so I'm teaming up with at truck1223. Uh, Mr. or Miss Truck thinks that Corey Davis is going to finish inside the top 12 at the wide receiver position in 2018. Um, I'll assume half-point PPR because that's the best uh, scoring system to use, obviously. Um, so here's kind of my, my defense of that take. Over the past three seasons with Mariota at quarterback, there's been one guy that's kind of stood out in that passing attack, and it's been Delaney Walker. Um, In those three seasons, he's received about 22% of the target share. Now, that might sound like a bad thing, but when you look at what that offense was, that was the quote-unquote exotic smash mouth, whatever that means, um, under Mike Malarkey. 
And so the offense is definitely going to shift this year, and it's going to shift a lot, I think. They've got Matt LaFleur coming in, who's going to take over at the offensive coordinator position. He comes from the coaching tree of Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, um, and we know what those offenses can do under that guidance. So I expect a big step forward from Mariota, a la what we saw from Jared Goff last year in L.A. Um, and if he does take that step forward, I think he's going to target a new person on the, on the team and a new option and a weapon in Corey Davis. Mariota's never had a wide receiver of his talent and of this caliber. So uh, I think that it's possible and it's definitely in the, uh, in the realm of possibility that Corey Davis finishes as a wide receiver one in 2018 if he can experience a huge increase in his target share, which he only had 13% last year. So he's going to need to eclipse that 20% mark to have a chance at that, I personally think. But again, Mariota's never had a guy like this at the receiver position. So uh, it, it's definitely possible. And I think it's a, a realistic scenario in 2018. Yeah, no, I, I I kept waiting for the Corey Davis breakout last year, and it just never seemed to to show up. So, honestly, I I hope you're right. But uh, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and take over the next bold prediction here from Twitter, and this is coming in from at Jayhawk Chuck eighty nine, and this is actually a friend of ours. This is Nathan Coleman. He's the commissioner of the Battle of the Podcast tournament that we're doing this year. So, uh, shout out to Nathan. Thank you. And his prediction was. Rex Goathead will lead the league in rushing TDs. And this is a quote. This is not Kent interjecting. This is a quote from the tweet. So, yes, I do agree that Rex Goathead has a chance to lead the league in rushing TDs. The the New England Patriots are known for being one of the highest scoring teams in football. Rex Burkhead was one of the most efficient red zone running backs. No, red zone players last year even rushing and receiving. So it's very feasible that with the loss of Deion Lewis, that Rex Gohead can, con- <laughs> I just said Rex Gohead. <laughs> Rex Burke. Yeah, you Burkhead. You're darn right you did. <laughs> you like it, don't you? Yeah, I you do. Like I love it. It's just so natural. But uh, it's feasible that he can continue his duties and not only that, but build off of them, even though they did draft Sony Michelle, who's very talented and I do like a lot this year. I think it's very possible that Rex can be the guy that they look to in the red zone because that's his forte. So could he lead lead the league in rushing touchdowns? Yes, I firmly believe that. Now, it might be a little bit tougher to say purely rushing. You know, if you just said total touchdowns, like including rushing and receiving, I'd be all in on that. So saying just rushing, I might might step out a little bit because he is an effective pass catcher as well. But um yeah, he's super good in the red zone, and I could definitely see it this year with the loss of Cooks and Amendola, and you know, I mean, there's there's targets to go around there. So, I agree. I think Rex is being definitely undervalued this year. I think he's going past the seventh round, right? And Michelle's going where? Um, probably what, like fifth, third, fourth, fifth round. So. For me, in a backfield where there's definitely opportunities to go around, somebody going that late, I'm going to go for the value. So Rex is ending up on a lot of my rosters. I love that pick. Yeah, Sony's at the end of the fourth round right now based on Fantasy Football Calculator. So, And he, he will continue to rise. Rookies always, as you get closer, the closer and closer you get to draft season, the more and more uh, people come in, the casual fans come in, they learn who the rookies are, and they always end up a little bit higher than where they're at right now. So, uh, yeah, I, I just wrote about how uh, I think Rex is is the much better value there. Awesome. All right, we're going we're gonna to swing over to our last Twitter bold prediction. So, Jen, go ahead and defend your Twitter fan. All right. 
So I'm teaming up with Tyler. Tyler is a, a listener that's pretty active with us on Twitter. So this is at Tyler. I think I'm going to hopefully not butcher this, but Belosky. So it's Tyler B-E-L-A-W-S-K-E. So I, th- I uh, think it helps if you say it in like a Bostonian accent, <laughs> you know? Okay, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Okay. Was it? Okay. Okay. So, Tyler, hope you loved that. Uh, So, it's Tyler from Tyler and Eli's Fantasy Football Tips Podcast. And I'm wondering if his pick now just has to do with the podcast. But he said his hot take was that Eli Manning finishes as a QB1 this season. And I'm jumping on Team Eli because. Not just because I think it's possible, but also because we've seen this phenomenon. We talked about it a little bit on some past pods. But this idea of just kind of this QB and their weapons, a mismatch in the rankings and where people are drafting them. And I think Eli is someone that's going way late. He's going end of the 13th as like QB 22 plus. But yet his weapons, OBJ, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, They're all going really high, but yet everybody's drafting Eli or not drafting Eli, and he's going really late. And it's just there's this mismatch, almost like the inverse with Jimmy G. Jimmy G's really high, but yet Pierre Garçon is where in the rankings of of people's drafting and where they're kind of taking him. So if we're looking at it like that, Manning with his weapons, OBJ's back, fully healthy, still has a a great Sterling Shepard. He's a great wide receiver. And so he's, I mean... OBJ is going to, they're going to shut him down most defenses and Sterling still is going to get a lot of targets. Evan Ingram's still there. And then they add this great weapon of finally having a running game with Saquon Barkley. They improved their O-line with Will Hernandez and some other movement. PFF didn't give him a lot, a lot of uh, leeway there. They were 20, 20 I think sixth, uh, their offensive line last year. And now they're just uh, number 25. So I thought they'd go up a little bit more with some of the movement. But, you know, that's where we're at. But it is an improvement. And Eli's capable of this. I mean, we are two years out from him uh, finishing as the number seven in 2015 and the number eight uh, fantasy quarterback um, overall. And so the past two years, people are concerned with his decline. They're saying he's it. That's all he's got. Um, His completion percentage is down. His interceptions are up, et cetera. That's actually not true. His completion percentage was up a little bit like it's, you know, from overall. But his interceptions and his completion percentage are going to be not the greatest. Those aren't the things that changed. If you look back at why Eli finished so poorly the past two years, it's mainly because of the touchdowns. Uh, He just didn't have those. So this year, I think with all those weapons back, he's going to get those back. There's still a passing defense. They were top 10, top seven even, in pass attempts the past four years. So this he has all the opportunity. I think he's got a little bit left, and he's got that QB1 upside. So I'm all aboard with that, especially at where you're going to get him in drafts. Uh, it, you're basically not investing a thing. There's not a lot of risk. So snag him late in drafts and be the one laughing at the end. That's what I say. Yeah, I, I love the Eli Manning love. I mean, not only everything that you just mentioned, which is which is true. I mean, all of his wide receiver core went down last year. But the coaching change might be the biggest improvement. Ben McAdoo was an okay offensive coordinator, but as soon as he became the head coach, he couldn't handle the job, and he sucked. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. He was terrible uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Pat Shermer coming in, I actually – so we're we're not – I think we're about to transition maybe to our hot takes. Yes. One of my hot takes, which it's not, it's not, I I, I take it back, but it was almost going to be (laughs) – 
<laughs> it was almost going to be that the Giants beat the Chargers in the Super Bowl. Oh, Whoa! Goodness. Yeah. yeah. That's hot. That's spicy. That spicy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mm. So, but, but, but I didn't do it. So <laughs> <what happens>? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it, was, it was a little too spicy. Yeah, we, we talked about that the other day, how if you are valuing all the offensive pieces other than the quarterback, then the quarterback should, in theory, kind of rise with that. I mean, it's, it'd be pretty tough to everyone to get their own without the quarterback himself being a good fantasy asset. So I, I agree with that. And it, Yeah, I mean, either, either, either Eli lo- Eli's lost it and he's old and he's busted and he's going to suck and whatever. You'll know that right away. If he hasn't lost it, He's he's going to be a great fantasy asset out starting week two once he's past the Jaguars. Hundred percent, and he's he's been drafted quarterback twenty two. I don't know if Jen mentioned that, but um, it, it's free. It's a free quarterback, so punt quarterback and grab a guy like Eli, and then you know if he doesn't work out, stream a different one because there's plenty of good late options. So um, let let's go ahead. Those thank you by the way to all the Twitter people who gave us these bold predictions. There was I mean seriously tons of them. Uh, yesterday and today so thank you so much for throwing those out we took some of the good ones uh ones that we believed in as well so hopefully you guys can double down on that and go forward in your fantasy season with that but let's let's move on to what we're feeling for this coming season as far as bold predictions jason i want to kick it right right back to you here real quick you got one right away that considering the situation strikes me as very very spicy so yeah, this this one is this one is spicy. This one I'm going a little bit hotter. You know, I I certainly don't have him ranked here, but I'm going to predict a hot take that Ty Montgomery is a running back one in all formats. Every conversation that I hear amongst most analysts or or even fans is always the conversation of who's it going to be, Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams. Which one of those two guys is it going to be? And I scratch my head and I go. Why Why are people forgetting about Ty Montgomery? There were only three games last season where the, 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 five import, or the four important players were all healthy, right? Ty Montgomery, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, and Aaron Rodgers. There were only three games where that happened, and the team chose Ty Montgomery. Aaron Rodgers chose Ty Montgomery. There, you can't argue who the best pass catching back is? Ty Montgomery was a wide receiver, so even if he loses some of the uh, rushing work, I mean, rushing he, he, well, he wasn't that effective as as a as a rusher, even in those three games. But during that stretch, he was the running back five in fantasy football, and it was on the back of the fact that he was pacing for 123 targets. 96 receptions because he is an unbelievable weapon for Aaron Rodgers out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, We all know that receptions are worth more than rushes when it comes to fantasy football. So I'm taking my bet on him. And and look, if, if you look at just the Green Bay Packers on a per game basis, how does their running back finish Every game, you you can't go a season long finish because they've dealt with so many injuries over the year, uh, over the last several years. But if you look, they usually have a really really valuable fantasy asset. So if Ty Montgomery stays healthy, he's the back that I'm wanting to draft. And you usually in in real drafts that I'm in, he's the third back taken. So I he's basically free, and I think he's got the upside of of a top fifteen running back. Yeah, I, th- I think the theory hit the drop. Oh, 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 hold on, I'm ready. Is there a doctor? We need a doctor! 
There it is. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I mean, Jason, you brought it up. The health concerns from last year. It was his first season playing the running back position, which um, inherently just puts more risk at getting injured. Um, you're getting hit more. You're carrying the ball more. So uh, it's just different. And so I think that his second year at that position will definitely be uh, healthier than what it was last year. And he dealt with some some pretty painful injuries, um, cracked ribs and, um, you know, hamstring issues every now and then so the cracked ribs are, are a huge one i mean they're one of the most painful things to play through and it's, it's virtually impossible to take a hit there so uh that's not a concern moving forward as far as re-injury risk it's not just something that happens over and over again so as far as you know that's concerned that should be cleared so i agree i think that he's a, a phenomenal value and if if health is a concern for that reason i think we'll see a big difference from 2017 and 2018 well, I think the biggest health concern I have with him is the fact that, you know, he has the sickle cell trait, which does lead to increased chance of injury. And, and to be perfectly honest, I'm not well versed in this stuff, so I don't know what specific types of injury it makes him more susceptible to. But, uh, you know, it, you know, looking through his, you know, short history in NFL, it's kind of been already happening a little bit. And guys like John Brown experience their own issues. Is, is that something that could linger with them for years to come? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the interesting things, too, is like people don't know that they have sickle cell trait until the symptoms start presenting themselves. So it's not like you just are diagnosed with it um, early on. It's usually only affecting people uh, at high intensities of exercise, especially at altitude. Um, but I won't get into it in a ton of detail. If you guys want to read more about it, go over to the com. I put an article out there for them kind of just describing like how it affects players and, and what do we see uh, over the course of certain players' careers. So I highlight Tevin Coleman, Ty Montgomery, and John Brown. Um, and actually, he's only missed one game known in his career to sickle cell trait. Um, and actually, it was because he found blood in his urine. So it can affect your kidneys and become a really serious uh, serious concern. But as far as like the, the, the skeletal and the muscular injuries that it can cause, it's primarily those soft tissue injuries. And, and like you said, we've definitely seen that um, throughout the course of his career. So Definitely something to keep an eye on, um, but it's hard to hard to predict moving forward. All right. Well, that's that's good info on the medical side of things, so thanks for that. Tell you what, we're going to swing over to Okada. Okada, I want to hear your first fantasy bold prediction for the 2018 year. All righty. So, first of all, you want to talk about ones that we wanted to say but couldn't. I wanted to say Jordan Reed would play 16 games, but I had no actual data or facts. Now, that is up. bold. <laughs> I know. So I, I sadly dropped it, although I'm still hoping for it. So here, I'm The heart with- wants what the heart wants, <laughs> you know? I'm going to start with this one. Tyreek Hill finishes behind Sammy Watkins in fantasy and totals less than 60 receptions, less than 1,000 yards, and less than five touchdowns. No equals in there. It's all less than. So here's the thing. We talk about regression in fantasy a lot. Here's some unsustainable numbers if you want to hear about unsustainable numbers. Can anyone tell me how many red zone targets Tyreek Hill had in 2017 with his seven touchdown season? Anybody? The answer is four. Was, yeah. Four red zone touchdowns. Watkins, by the way, had 10 on 35 fewer overall targets in LA. He also only had one inside the 10. Watkins had five. Again, on 35 fewer targets. Now, how about this one? How many of Tyreek Hill's seven touchdowns 
came on plays from inside the 30-yard line. I will set the over-under at one. Can somebody give me an over or an under? Yeah, that's a hard Zero. press. Under. Under. <laughs> it is the under. He had not a single touchdown from inside the 30. That is not sustainable. He is not going to score seven touchdowns with that kind of hot area of the field target rate. Also, he had a catch rate of 71.4%. It was the ninth highest in the league. We it's we don't expect him to be a hands guy. He is a speed guy. I think that he benefited a lot from having Alex Smith there, who's an accurate intermediate type guy. They're switching to Patrick Mahomes. We don't know quite what he'll be yet. We'll have to see. But he's not probably what Alex Smith is in that sense. He's more of a gunslinger. So I think that drops down a little bit. Also, he's not had a true wide receiver one across from him on the field yet. Sammy Watkins is that. Uh, he was actually sneaky good last year as a Ram. He had 15.2 yards per reception and eight TDs on only seven targets. And that was after a mid preseason trade that never really saw him and Goff slash the offense get fully on the same page. I remember watching a good amount of Rams games because I'm in that market uh, where they just slightly missed big passes. Um, and I feel like they never quite they never quite hooked up. So I think he can improve on that greatly. And I think he's going to improve on that target share as well. Uh, in Kansas City. They've also got Kelsey, obviously, one of the most targeted tight ends in the league. Hunt and also Ware can catch passes out of the backfield. So I don't think Hill's targets are anywhere near 105 this year, which is what it was last year. I think it drops down to somewhere in the 85 to 90 target range, uh, which may be somewhat low uh, as far as most people would project. But along with the catch rate drop, the touchdown drop, I'm not seeing it. He averaged 1.9 half PPR points per target in 2017. That's 25% higher than DeAndre Hopkins, the number one receiver in fantasy, and the second highest of all top 24 receivers behind only Juju Smith-Schuster, who I also think will regress. So everything that I can possibly find points to Tyree Kill falling back to earth like a rock, and I also like Sammy Watkins to step up and pass him. Love it. And I just wanted, because uh, I said this before, I just wanted to help your argument a bit because I've actually had some Twitter arguments about Tyree Kill and where he's going. And I think we all fall into this sometimes of looking at where a wider, where any, where any fantasy player ends up at the end of the year and not really thinking of how it was to be a fantasy owner of that person from week to week. Most of us are in leagues where you have to wear, you have to be head to head with somebody and you have to get at least eight wins, most likely to get into your playoffs. And this is a guy that's currently being drafted at number 14 wide receiver, but last year he bested that only five times. People don't realize that on a week to week basis, if you were an owner of Hill last year, you were disappointed. You didn't know when to play him. He was boom or bust. Like just the first seven weeks, I won't even read all of them. Number three, number 46. Number 17, number 56, number 32, number 51, and then number three. That's in half-point PPR where he finished each week in just the first seven. Yep. And so, you, you, yeah, you just have to look at that when you're drafting. And I realize I love his talent, but you can't draft someone like that and say on a weekly basis, especially with that draft capital, that, that you will feel confident on a weekly basis that he's going to win you you know, that week. And so I've just seen so many people fall into that trap of, well, he ended it, the, you know, the number, what was he? Number four, number four wide receiver in half PPR last year. I get it. But that's because he had, uh, you know, these numbers, you know, he ended top three, three times. And so it elevated his numbers. 
And so people are looking at that where he finished and they're drafting him too high, especially then you add in Mahomes, you add in Watkins, and I just don't get it. And so I just had to say that to contribute because it's been all over Twitter and I have not won those arguments. Like people are just like, they, they dig in about Tyreek Hill and he's just somebody I really want um, fantasy players to be weary of, you know, in head-to-head formats anyway. Unless they're in your league. Yeah. Right, yeah. True. Draft him, draft him really high, draft him first. Well, he, he's league. being drafted <laughs> as the wide receiver 14 in the third round approximately. So he's going to be the first wide receiver for some teams this year. And I don't think he's the model of consistency you're looking for in a wide receiver one on your roster. So I'm, I agree with both you guys on that. And I'm, you guys know I'm a Sammy Watkins fan, so I'm good on that call. But uh, okay, let's swing it over to Bets. Bets, you you got to jump in here and let us know what one of your bold predictions are for the 2018 year. Absolutely, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and take the hottest of the two, um, and I don't think that uh, this is going to be popular. I think that I'm on an island with this from what I've seen on ADP and um, on social media and that kind of thing. Deshaun Watson is not going to finish inside the top 10 at the quarterback position. Uh, and the reason I say that is is mostly because what he did last year is just absurdly inefficient, and, and there's, there's no way he's going to do it again. He only played in seven games because we know he went down with the ACL injury just after uh, the team's Week 8 matchup. And so in those seven games, here are his, you know, his fantasy points each week. 8, 17.7, 26, 42, 45, 30, 43. I mean, that is absurd. And if you had him, you were on cloud nine. And I think that, you know, people that just look at what he did last year and think that it's going to last for 16 games or, or even partially of what he did last year and think it's gonna last for 16 games is just unrealistic uh, and my biggest concern you know with Watson is just that he's being drafted to do what he did last year um, and when you look at kind of what you know what the the defense did there going into the season the defense was supposed to be um, really good and, and a strong unit but they ranked dead last in terms of uh, fantasy points or excuse me NFL points, so scoring points, to opposing offenses. Um, so the defense is definitely going to bounce back with J.J. Watt returning to the field. I think that Watson is definitely a guy who, you know, he's going to have some great weeks. And, yeah, he's going to probably be right around the top 12. But I don't think he's going to be inside the top 10. Uh, I just think that at his current ADP in the fourth round, as the QB2 overall, is unrealistic. So I think that we all need to kind of chill on Deshaun Watson and, and take a look at kind of what's realistic for next season. Yeah, and if you want a brief snapshot of how absurdly efficient, like Betts was saying he was, his touchdown rate was 9.3%. That means he throws a touchdown basically one in every 10 passes. Aaron Rodgers' career touchdown rate is 6.4. So that's not going to continue unless he's almost twice the greatest quarterback of all time. Which people think he is right now, and... and that's what we see, you know, in fantasy, it's all about what did you do for me lately? So people are going to look at that performance from last year and just expect it to come again uh, in, in 2018, but I'm definitely not buying it. So this is a great list I just pulled up for uh, uh, posterity here. Um, this is passing TD percent above eight and pass attempts above 100 in a season since the year 2000. This list is six members long. Number six is Deshaun Watson. The first five are Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Nick Foles. <laughs> oh, oh. 
So the real goat. Yeah, I think nice little nugget there. I think Watson's <laughs> going to be more like a Nick Foles than any of those other guys, to be perfectly honest. So probably somewhere in the middle to be more clear, but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't hate this take. I mean, the reality is when you watched his film, the, at first he looked completely lost. You know, he was having a terrible game, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden breaks free on a 50-yard touchdown where it was like the defense just missed him, a rushing touchdown, so it was worth a ton. You know, he can elevate his points because he's a rushing quarterback, so that might give him a baseline above the top 10, but he's he's not the – the Aaron Rodgers that people are thinking he is and he's probably one of the worst draft picks right now being taken as the second quarterback off the board yeah he he's pretty much the uh, epitome of unsustainable production rates so it'll be something to keep an eye on you can trade you can trade uh you can trade him for Aaron Rodgers almost in any dynasty league right now which is to do it yeah oh yeah <laughs> Aaron Rodgers definitely do Aaron Rodgers you know, people say like age is going to take a hit on Aaron Rodgers, but he's still going to be playing for several seasons. What by the time you, if you still have him on your roster for the until he's done with football, I'd be shocked. So yes, by all means, go get Aaron Rodgers if you have Deshaun Watson. But anyway, let's let's swing over to Jen. Jen, uh, you've got some awesome bull predictions here. Give me give me one that you want to talk about real quick. Sure, um, I'll just go with the first one that I had listed and that you know I really believe in. But just because I really like this guy. I, and I, I've just been surprised because typically, and the guys know this, I'm not necessarily somebody. I'm a redraft person. I'm just getting into Dynasty. I just started my new Dynasty Leagues like I was a newbie two years ago. And so rookies, and especially rookie running backs, I'm just not familiar with. So I've really grown in my knowledge over the past couple of years. And I just love on Johnson. I really like, he's one of the, he's the rookie going the latest. Um, and... I just think between the the improvements on the offensive line, Detroit's clear, at least we think, commitment to trying to improve their running game. They've had really crap uh, running back cores um, for a long time. And so people are saying, well, Riddick is still there. They picked up Blunt. Well, wouldn't you pick up Blunt? Wouldn't you pick him up before the draft when you've got somebody like Amir Abdullah, who they handed the ball inside the 10 eight times last season? Yeah. Yeah, they picked up a goal line. They picked up a goal line running back before the draft, and then they traded up and they got carry on. Now, will he start out as the workhorse? No, I don't think so. But will they give him an opportunity? Will he show them that they can do th- that? He can do this. Yes, he will be the the Detroit Lions' first 1,000 yard rusher since 2013. Oh, like he had like six more yards than a thousand. So Reggie Bush, but then before that, 2004, right? He will get 1,000 yards rushing this year. That's my bold take. Their number eight offensive line will help him out. And I really have faith that he can do this. He's got an aggressive running style. He's a three-down back. Blunt's 31. I think they'll put him in, yeah, sometimes the goal line. but And Riddick will get his passing role. But I really think, especially in the no huddle, they're going to give opportunities to, to carry on. And I really hope that they give – you know, more effort to the running game and really get this going. If it's not this year, it might be next year, but I'm really pushing for, I think Detroit can get this going this year. I really like him. I really like what he brings to the table. You've got my vote. <laughs> I am, I well, am well on record with my love of carry on Johnson. I really want to play the song. It's playing in my head. Oh, it's playing. Play on my 
<laughs> there it is. That was better. Yeah. That was oh, better yeah. than in my head. I'm not going to lie. When that drop comes on, Jason, during your pod, I just belt it at the, the dashboard <laughs> when I'm driving in my car. You you have it to. And you have makes to finish. Me happy. You, have to, you do. Yeah. yeah. I, I like this take because, well, first of all, how, how depressing has the Detroit running game been just forever? And so mostly I want to yeah. believe in it for the sake of that team, even though they're in a, a conference against my Vikings. You know, they're they're like the little brother. I, you know, I beat them up, but I still kind of support them. So uh, I, I like it. And, and personally, I'm not afraid of Blunt at all. I mean, people people take his 18-touchdown Patriots season and just imagine that was his entire career. When his entire career was far from that. I mean, he's been kind of a middling running back for most of his, you know, uh, I think it's like 12 seasons now, 10 seasons, somewhere in that range. So it's not someone that I am afraid on a talent level to take production away from Carryon Johnson. And he's like you said, he's 31. He's well past his prime. He's got, you know, 1300 rushes under his belt. The treads running a little low. So Carryon could run away with this as if he's as talented as, as you guys uh, are proclaiming here. And I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, it, blunt blunt was the running back eight when he had that huge Patriots year, but he had, He's literally never been inside the top 30 running backs in the rest of his career for fantasy. I'm, I'm not worried about Blunt. And Jen mentioned something important, too, that they traded up. That, that that typically tells you a lot about what a team plans to do. I, I'm i not fully convinced on this one. I think there's enough work to go around for Riddick as well as Blunt, maybe, that it's going to be tough for Carolina to get this far. But if there's one thing that would convince me, it's that investment that they made. They weren't willing to wait for someone else or potentially get sniped on carry on they traded up to get him so so they clearly like him as much as jen and jason do and we'll see if it pans out all right awesome well i'm gonna go ahead and wrap up the first round of bold predictions here and i have one that i think is pretty hot although i, I hope some of you guys like it and i believe that chris hogan will finish as a top 10 wide receiver this year in any format i am it's standard ppr does not matter i think chris hogan is an outstanding selection his current adp is 510 you know he's at the back end of the fifth round wide receiver 25 which is you know it's not a cheap draft cost it's it's somewhere in the middle where you actually have to like give up an opportunity at someone else but i believe that hogan has good opportunity you might remember the Super Bowl, right? Did you watch the Super Bowl? I don't know. You guys might have. He had six receptions for 128 yards and a touchdown in one of the biggest stages against one of the best defenses in the league. The, the New England Patriots from last season have 240 vacated targets and 200, actually just under 2,500 vacated air yards. That is good for four, uh, fourth best and third best as far as vacated targets. So they are near the top. There's a lot of missing work with Brandon Cooks and Danny Amendola leaving and uh, well, and Deion Lewis as well. And so his competition is Edelman, who has a four game suspension. Gronk, who, you know, he'll, he'll always have his own role, but he also has his own injury issues. And then there's Malcolm Mitchell and uh, Cordero Patterson, Jordan Matthews. I guess Matthews might be the most uh, possible enemy for him as far as targets go, but I think there's a clear path to being the number one target wide receiver on this team in Chris Hogan. Uh, last year, through the first eight weeks of the season, if you guys owned him, you were pretty happy because he was a top 10 wide receiver then with Cooks and Amendola in the picture already. So between that and the vacated targets, uh, I believe he has a super good opportunity here. I think he could, you know, you know, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Uh, and 
how are you going to argue against that? He's always going to make wide receivers productive. And it'd be one thing if all these guys were still around, but there's there's not much competition for him as far as the wide receivers go. So I'm all in on him. Yeah, and the Patriots do tend to kind of play in a next man up sort of uh, mentality as far as their roster goes. So as far as filling the Cook spot, finding that next man to step up into the Cook spot now that he's gone, unless Malcolm Mitchell has some kind of breakout and overcomes a lot of the injury bugs he's dealt with, Hogan definitely does fit that mold better than pretty much anyone else in that receiving course. So, yeah, I, I can see it. I was reading that Malcolm Mitchell might even get cut. He might be a roster bubble type player because his lingering knee issue has been a real uh, kind of pain for those guys as far as trying to get him on the field. So he didn't even show up to OTAs, and he was out all last season. Um, and so it it's not looking good for Malcolm Mitchell. So, yeah, I don't know. It's There's not much as far as competition. And through those first eight weeks, he, he was averaging 55 yards a game, and he had five touchdowns in that period. So if we just double that because eight games to 16, uh, that's a 10-touchdown season is something you you want in your wide receiver. I know that much. Well, let's go ahead and start the second round of bold takes for this year. Uh, Jason, we'll go ahead and kick it back to you again to start us off. Uh, this is a good one. I, I'm not sure I agree with it, but it's a good one. Yeah. It's a good you one. You don't have to. It's, <laughs> look, this this is a bold prediction for two different reasons. First, I'm going to predict that Ben Roethlisberger does something he has never done in his entire long, illustrious career which is finish in the top three at the quarterback position at the ripe old age of 36. Uh, he has finished number four. He's finished top 10 before. And when I said there's basically two predictions, one of them is that <laughs> for him to do this, he would have to play 16 games, <laughs> which is not a Ben Roethlisberger thing to do. So, you know, I would say this, at least on a points-per-game basis, I really do believe that Big Ben is one of the, if not the best uh, value right now in the draft. And, and over the last several years, if you've listened to the fantasy footballers, I'm not usually a big Big Ben supporter uh, from the standpoint of, of fantasy because he's inconsistent at times with the home road splits um and he his name Ben Roethlisberger is more famous than he is fantasy uh, you know his fantasy production allows so usually he gets overdrafted but right now at, because he's you know older in age hot new commodities like uh Watson and Wentz are are here Ben Roethlisberger's dropping in drafts and I think it's a mistake if you look at what happened last year with the Steelers, Jen, I know you're a fan of the Steelers. You probably were intimately familiar with what was going on between Big Ben and his offensive coordinator, Todd Haley, who's now gone, and, and of course, the defense, and you know when you lost Ryan Shazier and how that affected the team. There was a huge shift that happened uh, for the Steelers where all of a sudden they went from just this, this dominant offensive and defensive team to where it was like, oh, man, we're going to have to use the weapons we have on offense to play catch play catch up with people scoring on us and i don't think that they've done enough to address the defense where it's going to revert back to the beginning of last season and i also believe that promoting their quarterback coach to the new offensive coordinator is going to open up the game for Ben Roethlisberger to throw the ball more juju in year 2 Antonio Brown Lev Bell out of the backfield 
James Washington. The weapons are as good as he has ever had. And you know, look at look at that split. They had the week nine bye right in this right smack dab in the in the center of the season. From week ten on, Ben Roethlisberger was the number one quarterback in fantasy football. During that time, his 16-game pace, and that's basically half the season minus you know the week 17 when the Steelers' uh, starters didn't play, he was on a 16-game pace of 5,208 yards and 43 touchdowns. Ooh. That's that's ridiculous. What? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I really do think Ben Roethlisberger coming into this season, the the Steelers' offense, I you know, I like Juju. I like Big Ben. I think the Steelers are going to need to score more this year, and I think they're capable of doing it. But Jason. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, What's no. What you got for me? Isn't Big Ben, like, really old and going to retire soon? <laughs> yes, Big Ben is really old and going to retire soon. Don't necessarily take this advice for Dynasty, but in redraft um, – and, and, look, uh, that's actually not true because in Dynasty – Sometimes those old guys are thrown away so cheap you can get them for next to nothing and then win a championship with them this year. Championships, here's the thing, they can't be taken away. Once you have it, you've got it. So, uh, yeah, win, win a championship with good old Big Ben Roethlisberger. Good old Big Ben Roethlisberger. Jason. So you oh, I was just gonna say you mentioned it in okay go ahead. I was just gonna say please don't send the lawyers after us for the the voice of public opinion we don't have the money to <laughs> yes please don't please on. don't <laughs> go ahead Okada <laughs> all right all right um yeah so, listeners can't see me but I've been nodding emphatically this entire time as Jason's been talking about Big Ben I, I, I am curious you mentioned it in passing I don't know if there's been really any talk about this around fantasy football community but Todd Haley has been the coordinator for that offense for six years. He's gone. The guy there now is Randy Fichtner. I'm not really nice. sure how you pronounce his last Beautiful. name. Beautiful. Yeah. Former wide receivers and quarterbacks coach for the Steelers. What Does anyone see a chance that this offense actually regresses? That Haley was a, a key cog in making this one of the best offenses in the NFL the past several years and, and something blows up? Yeah, look, anytime you lose your offensive coordinator, that can happen. I mean, you saw when Kyle Shanahan left, left Atlanta that it you know, it was blown up. I remember before they hired uh, Sarkeesian to replace him saying, grab the co- – this, this team was great. Grab the quarterback coach and promote him. Keep the offense intact. You have a veteran wide receiver, uh, quarterback in, in Matt Ryan, and that's what the Steelers did. Ben Roethlisberger knows the system. The quarterback coach knows the system. They wanted to open it up more. Todd Haley was, you know, that was the that was the argument between Big Ben and Todd Haley. So, yes, it could regress, but I think that the way they promoted internally is going to avoid that collapse. And I think Big Ben did not like that they drafted uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> a He's QB got- behind him. I think it ruffled his feathers. I think it got under his skin. And, you know, it can either make him, you know, implode or elevate him. And I, I really think this year it could go elevate. So Mason Rudolph is the reason Big Ben plays 16 games <laughs> this year for the first time. Absolutely. He'll, he'll drudge out so there. Much anymore. Yeah, he'll drudge out there with a broken knee and chuck the ball down the field. Oh, it's week 17. Week 17, they'll sit everyone else. Big Ben's going, oh, not me. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's pretty great. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go through. We got some more bold predictions here for you. We're going to kind of make our case for them. 
and uh, hustle through the last ones. We want to make sure Jason got his full explanations in. We got some good ones left here for you, so we're going to run through them. I'm going to jump in real quick and give you mine. I got Joe Mixon ending this year as a top five uh, running back. I almost said quarterback. We're just talking about quarterbacks. But a top five running back in Joe Mixon. And a lot of people, especially Heath Cummins, who we just talked to about Mr. Giovanni Bernard, might disagree with me here. But I think there's a lot of signs here, including the weight thing we talked about earlier, that point to him having a solid season. Now, last year they, they had a little bit of an issue with the way that their game script was going and how they were getting enough offensive plays in each game. Uh, Marvin Jones tends to be a little bit higher than you know what they averaged last season. So Bill Lazor... Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Bill Lazor is actually the offensive coordinator there right now, and he gave, he got full reign to rework the playbook this offseason. And so I, I feel like that Joe Mixon is going to have a little bit more opportunity in the red zone last year, uh, next year. In last year, he had 26 red zone touches, only two of which were targets. And now one of Joe Mixon's finer points of his game is his pass-catching ability. So... I think that if they get him more involved in the red zone from a passing perspective, I think that it can increase his likelihood of having more touchdowns on the season, which was one of his more lackluster points last year. He only averaged, I think it was like 2.6 targets per game. And I think that should be increased because he only had a maximum of four all last year. He never got more than four targets in 2017. So we're hoping that Bill Lazor takes that and starts to get him more involved in the passing game. The Bengals' offense in 2017 was ranked number 26, so they have room to expand. I'm sure that Bill Lazor is kind of under pressure here to get their offense moving along. A lot of people are considering their offensive line to be the weakest point of that offense, and I really think that they have a chance to jump ahead. I think PFF had them rated only at about 26 going into this next year, and they were 28th at the end of last year, so it's not looking too great, Um, but they did get... Cordy Glenn from Buffalo. He was traded for last year, and he's going to step in as their left tackle. And they also have a former first-round draft pick, Cedric Obwehi. I had to look that up because I had no idea how to pronounce it. Uh, it might step in at right tackle, and he says like it, it feels like a more comfortable position for him. And on top of all that, they drafted Billy Price at 21 overall. They really liked him. I liked him a lot coming out of the draft. So they've made efforts to improve their offensive line and rework it in a way that'll be more effective. I think between that and the offensive shifts in Cincinnati, I think that Joe Mixon stands to be the primary uh, recipient of more red zone work and offensive capabilities. So I really like him going into this next year, and I think he could really step up in a big way. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's easy to kind of look at this situation and just kind of default to the offensive line being absolutely atrocious last year, which they were. Um, and, and the similar argument was made for the Minnesota offensive line heading into last year. Uh, and we saw what Dalvin Cook, you know, Jerick McKinnon and Latavius Murray did up there in Minnesota. So it's definitely possible with those key additions to the offensive line, who I agree, uh, those are good players. And I think it's going to make a huge difference for Mixon uh, in 2018. Yeah, so actually, you're talking about Dalvin Cook. Let's just swing it on over to Okada here, who I think See has I did that? A, couple of, a couple of thoughts about the man. Pro transitions bets. Nailed it. All right. So, yeah, I'm a huge Dalvin Cook lover. So for my bold prediction, I had to go pretty high in order for it to feel bold for me. So I'm saying that Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings finishes the year not as a RB1, but as the RB1 in all formats. Oh, my. So we don't... Oh, yeah. We don't have a a big sample size for Dalvin Cook. Obviously, he came in as a rookie last year. 
Uh, first of all, he was widely regarded as a first-round talent, but he slipped to the second round largely, it was believed, because of off-the-field issues. And he was my favorite running back of the class over Fournette, over McCaffrey. I think he's the most well-rounded of that crew, and we saw how both of those guys performed last year. But just just take a look at his sample size, and yes, it's small, but but take a look at this. All right, He played basically three and a half games because he's tore his ACL in the third quarter of game four. If you project, if you count that as a whole game, a whole four games, and you project his pace to a whole year, 296 carries, 44 receptions, 1,776 yards from scrimmage, and nine touchdowns. This guy, as a brand new baby NFL running back, was tearing it up. Okay, the ACL doesn't scare me. I've said this many times before. People are coming back, and I'm sure Betts could give you a much more professional opinion on this, but people are coming back from ACLs uh, well, healthily. Uh, It was very early in the season, which is always a good thing. And if you've uh, listened to any reports or watched any of the videos coming out on Cook, he looks and sounds like he's great. Uh, They've said he's ahead of schedule, and he looks explosive. Um, Honestly, I think he has less question marks than both Zeke and David Johnson from an offensive standpoint, as far as Those offenses are questionable. The Vikings' offense is not. It's probably going to be one of the better offenses in the league, certainly from an all-around talent standpoint. He doesn't have the contract question marks that Le'Veon Bell has. And listen, I love Todd Gurley. He's just about one of my favorite players in the league. But number one RBs, number one overall RBs, almost never repeat as number one overall RBs. It's just kind of the way things fall. It takes a lot of talent and luck to pull that off. So I'm going to have Cook slip again, uh, slip ahead of him in this bullet prediction. Latavius Murray does not scare me. He's a good filling guy. He's a good backup. He's a great handcuff. Uh, but he's not the talent that Cook is. So I don't see him taking much work anywhere on the field, even in the red zone, which is some people's minor concern. Obviously, they brought in Kirk Cousins, who I honestly I like Sam Bradford and Case Keenum. So I I think that they're better than they got credit for. So it could just be a lateral move, but most people would agree that it's a positive move to go to Kirk Cousins, could stretch the field even a little bit more than what Cook played with in his limited games last year. They don't necessarily have a great O-line, Betts mentioned it recently, but the wealth of talent on the offense can help mitigate some of that, and Cook's ability to create on his own can help mitigate some of that. And then one of my favorite points overall, and this is especially useful comparing him to uh, Zeke and DJ and even Bell, Their defense in Minnesota is super elite, probably one of the best, I would say one of the top three defenses in the league, which means this team is going to be winning a lot. Vegas has their win total at 10. I would take the over. I'm sure uh, Kent likes hearing that. Oh, yeah. And they're going to be ahead. They're going to be ahead a lot, even in maybe games they don't pull off as a win. So that's great for a bell cow back. I think Cook could top 300 carries. and, And if he does, and if he stays anywhere close to the efficiency he had, in his four-game sample last year, he has an easy shot at the number one overall. So give me some cook. I feel like this is an elaborate plan to get me to do the skull chant again, and it's not happening. Do it. Okay? Do it's it, Ken. It's not happening. You will do, do it, it by Ken. the end do of it. the season. I might. I might. You I might. will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Okada, I'll just touch on it real quick because you brought up uh, the ACL concerns. Um, if you have concerns about Dalvin Cook, stop. He looks as good as you can after an ACL surgery. And of the players coming off of ACLs, Allen Robinson, Julian Edelman, um, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Dalvin Cook is my least uh, least concerned regarding the, the players there. So he 
is right on track. He's had plenty of time. And when I watch him run and I'm going to watch him cut off of his injured left leg, I mean, it's like the dude never had an injury. So as far as the timetable for his return and what you want to see as a physical therapist, he is right on track. So no hesitation from me. Okada, I love it. I, I'm very excited about Dalvin Cook uh, in 2018. I love it. Bets, let's go ahead and roll right into your uh, last bold prediction here. All right. Well, we're not, we're not going to not talk about the Browns on a bold prediction podcast. Am I right? We've talked <laughs> we about it. Through. 10 out of 10 times on our pod, I think. Um, so we might as well might as well keep it going. Uh, my bold prediction is that Tyrod Taylor will finish 2018 as a quarterback one. So in the top 12. Uh, and, and the main thing that I keep hearing out there is Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, which I get it. I mean, he's a great, he's a great player. He was taken number one overall in the NFL draft. So uh, in the future, yes, I agree. This is Baker Mayfield's team. But in 2018, I don't believe it is. When you look at um, the offense that they're they're set to have here under Todd Haley, um, and we just kind of talked about Todd Haley a little bit, but under him in 2018 in Cleveland, um, Tyrod has had has the best you know weapons that he's ever had in his career. Uh, he was throwing to guys like Charles Clay and, and an injured Sammy Watkins and Zay Jones. I mean, so he hasn't had the talent that uh, that Cleveland has this year. He's got great weapons in Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon, a nice young tight end and David Njoku, and then three uh, talented running backs. So as far as that's concerned, I'm excited about that. I think that when you look at what he adds as a rushing floor, which over the past three seasons, he's finished third, second, and first among quarterbacks in rushing. So he provides an excellent floor there. I think that the people are sleeping on Tyrod. And even if he doesn't play, you know, in all 16 games, in the games that he does play, he's going to provide quarterback one numbers or close to it. Uh, so he's a guy that I love off the waiver wire if you're going to stream um, in, in 2018. Now, to clarify, are you saying he finishes as a QB1 total points? Total points, yes. Ooh, okay, so that does make it subconsciously, spicy. or maybe consciously, you're pretty much agreeing with one of our Twitter bowl predictions that the Browns are going to make the playoffs. I think it's possible. Because if he... If they he would puts- have... They would Wild have to card. make the playoffs for Wild this to card. come true. Exactly. Yes, have, they definitely need to it would be in have contention to happen because for the majority of the year because the second that they drop out, and we had uh, we had Rich Dotson from from Cleveland. He's a huge Cleveland sports guy, so he kind of brought this up too on our, our previous pod. Uh, if they drop out of playoff contention, they'll see what they have in Baker Mayfield. So I agree. But I mean, with the the team that they're assembling there, I'm not saying that they're going to win the division or that they're going to win the Super Bowl. But I think they'll be in, in contention. Um, they, Vegas still has them as literally the lowest win total in the league. Which is uh, how? How can that be? <laughs> it's kind of absurd. I can. <laughs> there's a lot of really obvious reasons, but um, I think Hugh Jackson. Yeah, is the I, biggest I, one. Hugh Jackson <laughs> is a true. big one. Rookie quarterback situation, which doesn't usually yield wins from st- who's going to start every week, week in, week out. The sorry, the curse of Cleveland. I mean, it's just it's not. There's not a, a track record. There's time to time we always look at that roster and go, you know what? This is going to be the year. And I'm waiting for them to prove it before I predict mm. it. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely fair. That's I mean, it's fair. it's all about how the team does for sure. So uh, if they're in the playoff hunt and they're right around 500 or potentially just above, uh, it's going to be Tyrod's team. All right, Jen, we got one last bowl prediction. Bring us home. Give us a good one. Let's see what you got. Last but not least, I boiled it down because I know we're close on time and I am not a concise person, as uh, you guys know. So, 
I've already talked about him. Listen to our wide receiver sleepers uh, episode if you want to hear me talk on and on about him. But Alan Hearns, and the guys challenged me a little bit to make it bolder, so I'm going to do it. Alan Hearns will finish the 2018 season as a top 15 wide receiver in half-point PPR. So, boiling it down to four major points. One, 231 targets were vacated by Des Bryant and Witten. So there's 231 targets available. Second, we saw what Hearns is capable of. So the last two seasons, he didn't play full seasons. He played 10 games and 11 games in 2017, 2016. Also, he was behind. He was like the number three target, basically, behind Lee and Cole. So this year, he would be, we think, or at least has the opportunity to be the number one target. So we saw that as he was behind Allen Robinson, so he wasn't even the number one target, 2015. So in 15 games, he saw 105 targets. He caught 64 balls for over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. He ended as the number 16 wide receiver in half-point PPR. So I think he can do that better this year. So we saw he's capable of it. Number three, he doesn't suck, which is what I have heard some people (laughs) say. Um, because, and I will only quote one thing, he doesn't suck, I will just say that point blank, but he had, and I'm going to quote reception perception, so Matt Harmon will know this, and I said it on the sleeper episode too, but on contested throws the past four seasons, he had the number one highest conversion rate of 91.7% on contested throws. So if that's contested, makes me believe, non-contested throws, he's going to catch them. So he's, he doesn't suck at least. And then number four is Dak's better than Blake Bortles. So I think between those four arguments, I've got at least the makings for a top fantasy wide receiver if he gets the opportunity. He's going to be one of the number one targets. I'm not necessarily worried, at least early on, with Gallup. So uh, I really think that Hearns is a very undervalued slash sleeper wide receiver this year, and I'm taking him wherever I can get him. He's fallen so late, I really don't feel like it's much investment, and I have him on the majority of my rosters. I was going to say, I feel like... I feel like every every league that I'm in, I end up drafting Hearns just because I'm not reaching for him. He just drops so late that, according to my rankings, it's just like, I, why not take a guy who has the potential to be the number one for his team when you're drafting other guys right next to him that are like locked and loaded as the wide receiver four for their team? So, uh, no, I, I, I like it. I like it. The upside. Also, go, big, go for it. Big, big news. You, you mentioned Matt Harmon's reception perception. Big news, I have been able to successfully multitask while on the show, and the Red Shirts <laughs> coupon for the Ultimate Draft Kit does, in fact, fantastic. All right. Love this. And, and, and just to repeat, what it, what is our code going to be? Red Shirts. Just Red Shirts. Be, okay. Nice and easy. That's it. Just Red Shirts. It's plural. Awesome. Well, if you- I wish I could go back in time and purchase it again with the... <laughs> Red shirts quote, but you know, alas, you I can't. don't even get it with your own pods. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I already bought it. Next I year, it, next year. So, right. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Jason, for uh, the coupon code and getting us involved with the Ultimate Draft Kit, which is, of course, awesome. And uh, you know, real quick, just go ahead and give us a shout out. And I, I know most people know who you are, but tell us uh, the stuff that you're committing to the the podcast, the dra- draft kit, whatever you got, just throw it out there right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're the fantasy footballers. We are going on tour. We're halfway through. So next week we will be in Philadelphia and Ooh. New York. 
<laughs> so if you want to come see us live, it, the shows are awesome. The energy is electric. Uh, you can go to ballerslive.com, find out all the information, get tickets there. And uh, yeah, just, you know, we're, we're pretty much everywhere that podcasts are. Um, or, and you can follow us on uh, YouTube if you want to see our ugly faces. I can, I can and attest. In our, our beautiful set. I can attest to the live fantasy football show being awesome. I was at the Minnesota one and had a wonderful time. It was very, very fun. So 100%, if you can get out to one of those, you should definitely do it. So um, absolutely. Thank you once again, Jason, for joining the show. You are a very honored uh, guest here, and we appreciate you giving the time to come join us to talk some football and bold predictions. So thank you. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. And before we head out, I just want to once again bring up the Listener League Contest. If you do leave us a review, snapshot, send it to our Twitter, our Gmail. I've given that out a few times, so uh, by all means, send us your review. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate all reviews, even the ones that aren't five stars, and I'll say it. We did get a four-star review. That's okay, though, because we're not... We're, yeah, you know, we need we need a little criticism. We need a little kick to get us going in the right direction. So we appreciate all the reviews, and we hope to get the Listener League all set up pretty soon here, so keep an eye out for that. And once again, thank you for listening. We are the Red Shirts. Ooh, here comes the, here comes the,